What is truth? Maybe it sounds like a simple question and maybe you never thought much about it, but it isn't very cut and dry, especially in our American culture, because essentially we kind of have this American dream of, I want to do what I want with who I want when I want, but we're quote civilized. So we add the disclaimer as long as no one gets hurt. But somewhere along the way, my truth and your truth and his truth and her truth are going to collide and someone is going to get hurt. So today we're going to talk about what is truth, why does it matter, and we're going to unpack all of the good stuff. Hi, my name is Ava. This is your Truth For Your 20s podcast with your host, Katie Bormer, my mom. Enjoy listening. If you are between the ages of 18 and young 30s and reaching for that best version of yourself, you are in the right place. Hey, my name is Katie Bulmer. I am an author and speaker to over 30 colleges nationwide with the heart behind everything I do to be who I needed when I was younger. On this podcast, I interview experts in their field and 20-somethings alike. We'll talk about finances, physical wellness, dealing with your inner mean girl, and you better believe we're going to talk about guys. Our mission here is to empower your socks off and definitely drop some truth bombs along the way. All right, let's get to it and unpack some truths for your 20s. You guys are going to be so proud of me. I have never been more prepared for a podcast episode. I have done my homework on this subject. So as you know, this is called the Truth For Your 20s podcast. And I just kept noticing and having different conversations with a lot of people who, you know, this word truth becomes relative and his truth and her truth and my truth and your truth don't always coincide. And so I started to unpack like, well, what is truth and what does it mean and why does it matter? So my husband thinks it's crazy that I do this, but um, I I remember things like things that stand out to me. I remember from years ago. So there is a sermon series by Andy Stanley, who I highly look up to called Right in the Eye. It was filmed in 2013, which is crazy that I remember it from that long ago. But in 2013, the sermon series is called Right in the Eye, and it basically means It's talking about a time in ancient history where everyone did, quote, what is right in their own eyes. And as you can imagine, (laughs) this led to a big hot mess. So essentially, this was in biblical days when they they had no king. There was no king in Israel. They They were what is called a theocracy. They were supposed to be that God was their king. But people were like, oh, we don't need a king. We'll do what we want, when we want, with who we want. And it led to a big hot mess. And then they cried out for help, like, oh my gosh, we're in this big disaster. Like, look at what we've done. We need a king. They got a king. And then they didn't like the rules. And they said, we don't need a king. We'll do what we want, when we want, with who we want. And this went on for like hundreds of years. It was a big hot mess. And the reason I remembered this, and I kind of pulled it back from my memory banks that I heard in 2013, because I feel like that is our culture right now. You know, we're looking around and everyone's like, you do what you want. I'll do what I want. You know, as long as someone gets hurt, it's fine. But the problem is my truth and your truth collide. And that is when we get some confusion. So what I have kind of boiled this question to, or the subject of truth is kind of really unpacking 
three questions. And those three questions are, what is right? How far is too far? And am I a good person? All right, so let's first unpack what is right. And this is probably the most tricky, right? (laughs) Because ultimately, we want what feels good. We want what brings us happiness. and, And we sometimes think that God is holding out on us because surely God wants us to be happy. So we, we think that this is shiny, right? This is sexy. Um, this is going to make me happy. So I'm going to lean toward this and do what I want with who I want when I want. And what's interesting is, you know, a lot of the songs sing about this and a lot of the movies talk about this. Like when this kind of stirs something inside of us because there is something in us that wants what brings us happy? You know, what feels good? All of that stuff. I think that's all very normal. But it's interesting that the movie makers and the song producers are singing about this because ultimately, if you live this lifestyle of what I want, who I want, whenever I want, you're going to lead a lawyer. <laughs> and only the super rich can keep affording this type of lifestyle and the super rich who, who are making movies and singing songs about it. C.S. Lewis, who I'm sure you probably heard of, a great um, author, he wrote Narnia and several other books. He wrote a book called The Great Divorce. It has nothing to do with divorce. It actually has to do with hell. And essentially, he writes in this book that hell would be if everyone did whatever they want and could have whatever they want just by thinking about it. So everyone could have, you know, all the money, all the fame, all the men or women, all the popularity, all the perfect body, like everything they wanted just by thinking about it, which leads to complete anarchy. Think about it this way. So if you can imagine you got whatever you want, you live in this great, big, fabulous mansion with perfect landscaping and it's clean all of the time but you don't want to cut the grass and you don't want to scrub the toilets. So you hire help to work in your fabulous mansion. But the people you hire can think about whatever they want and get it as well. So they dream of their own mansion and they don't want to scrub your floors and mow your lawn, right? And then the wife dreams up a husband who worships the ground that she walks on. And then the husband wants the same thing from the wife. And then the kids don't want to obey the dumb rules from the parents because they know better, right? And think about just traffic laws. Like, I don't want to wait for this dumb light. I'm going to go when I want. You know, I don't want to pay this high price for this car or this article of clothing. I'm just going to pay what I want. I'm just going to do what I want. Imagine your employer, you know, you're supposed to be here from eight to five. Well, I don't want to get up at eight. I'll show up when I want to. I'll do the work that I want to. Like this, this can't work. So as you can imagine, what you want with who you want, whenever you want it, it it sounds good on paper, but the reality of it, as C.S. Lewis describes it, is hell. So, you know, we have celebrities kind of with this idea of total autonomy But you never hear real life people with this type of teaching. So, you know, you never hear a third grade teacher be like, all right, kids, this weekend, remember that the goal to happiness is go do what you want with who you want, whenever you want, as long as no one gets hurt. Like, no, that that's not realistic. And the heartbreaking part about this for me, um, as someone who just cares very passionate about 
the well-being of women and a mom of two daughters is in our history books and, and even in countries that exist today where there are people who, who live this way of whatever you want in, in total autonomy, women are the ones who suffer the most in this type of environment because women become property and profit centers. And this, this is not what we want because ultimately someone will get hurt. One more example of why this just doesn't work. We have friends who live in Southeast Asia and over there, you know, you probably never thought about it this way, but there is no rescue 911. Like that is, we're fortunate in America to have that option to call on first responders. But in this country, there is no rescue 911. There is police of sorts, but it's very corrupt. And if you can afford it, you have a private security guard. So a few years ago, their son, who I think was about eight at the time, got hit by a motorcyclist. Now he's fine today, but this was a crazy chaotic time because if this were to happen on a street of America, you know, we would call 911, there would be reports filed, there would be insurance claims, like all of, you know, the person who hit the child would be held responsible and and all of this would be investigated, you know, but in in this country, the motorcyclist hit the child and just kept going. And no one ever knows who that person was. And the family was left, figure it out, uh, you know, pay the medical bills, do what you need to do, g- do what is right in your own eyes, which is back to this whole idea of we don't need a king. We can do it ourselves. We got this figured out. And when everyone does what is right in their own eyes, we conflict and there's chaos and it is not the way we are designed. You know, why don't you ever hear, I'm going to do whatever I want with whoever I want, as long as it helps people. No, you don't hear that because we know that this is a, a not a helpful way to run life. And ultimately, even if you hurt no one else, which I think is impossible, but even if you hurt no one else, you will hurt yourself. Let's think about this, for example, and it's easier to talk about other people, right? <laughs> this is easier to talk about in someone else's life, not our own life. So let's, let's imagine, for example, you have a friend. None of you, I'm sure, right? But you have a friend who wants whatever she wants financially, and she doesn't have a budget. She thinks budgets are terrible and they're holding her down. So she buys whatever she wants. She spends however much she wants, and she, she, she adds to cart whenever she wants because it makes her feel good. And then she graduates with more debt than she's going to have lifetime to pay off. Now, another example, and again, not you, not not any of you, I'm sure, right? But you have a friend who is dating someone and there's so many red flags that she keeps ignoring. And her roommates who love her and who care about her and who have supported past relationships are telling her, no, friend, I see some red flags and this is not a good thing for you. And her mom is telling her to stay away and all of her friends are telling her to stay away, but she says, they don't know I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do what makes me feel good. I'm going to live in this moment and I don't care what they say. And what looks like freedom, what looks like I'm going to buy what I want, what makes me feel good, what looks like I'm going to, I'm going to invest in this relationship, even though it's going to hurt me, what looks like freedom ultimately brings us chains. What looks like I, I, I can't 
you know, walk away from this. I can't say no to this sale that of stuff I don't need. What looks like I can't turns into I can't stop. You see this especially in addictions because no one takes that first sip or takes that first hit thinking, I want to throw away all my relationships. I want to end up in rehab. No, nobody thinks that. But they think, no one can tell me what to do. I going to live my own life, you know, leave me alone. I can make decisions for myself. What looks like freedom, what looks like, you know, living the, my best life, YOLO, ultimately brings us chains, which brings us to the question, well, why is it so sexy, right? <laughs> why does all of this thing, like, why is it so pretty? Why is it so alluring? Why can't I say no? I have a few thoughts on that. The first one is we were made to worship. And essentially when we are, we're we're trading one king for another, right? So in the very beginning, God made Adam and Eve. And people don't think about this, but I think this is fascinating that Adam and Eve lived till they were in their 900s. (laughs) I don't remember exactly how old they were, but they were 900 and something years old when they died, which I I always wonder, like, when do you get gray hair and wrinkles if you make it to 900? Like like maybe in your 800s? I I don't know. But the point is they were, their bodies were made perfect. Like there was no disease. There was no cancer. You know, they lived for a long time without wrinkles. Probably they had, you know, there was no coronavirus and the whole world was made this way. There was no tornadoes or nor no tsunamis, no hurricanes, no droughts and fires. Like everything was made good and, and it was easy for Adam and Eve to worship. And by the way, you know, if I was God, Let's all take a moment and be thankful that I am not. But if I was God, I would have made these human beings programmed like just to obey, like just to not be so, you know, so hard-headed, right? They would love me as a creator God. They would do what I say. It, you know, it would be easy peasy. They would do what is right. No, no questions asked. The beautiful yet complicated thing is God gave us a free will. The beautiful part about that is, so if my husband was programmed to love me, he had no choice in the matter, he had to love me, that that wouldn't be so great, right? He he wouldn't have a choice in the matter. And how how loving, how loved would you feel if, if he didn't have a choice? So he gave this rebellious race, these humans of us, a choice, a free will. And in the very beginning, this perfect world and these perfect humans, he said, he walked in the garden with them. They had total fellowship. They were like besties with God, like all was good, you know, beautiful forest. I, I like to think there was no mosquitoes at this point. And one rule, don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I think the oldest sin in the book is what we're talking about today on this episode. It's, but I bet God is holding out on me. Surely God wants me to be happy. Surely God really didn't want to take anything away from me. Surely, surely God doesn't really know everything. And I probably know better. And I and I want to be happy. And this this fruit is sexy. You know, think about it. The devil's smart too. He doesn't make this apple with, you know, holes in it and rotten looking. It is shiny. It is alluring. It is pretty. And then you have the serpent talking smack and he's all like, 
are you sure God said that you shouldn't eat this? Because surely God wants you to be happy. Surely God wants you to do what you want with who you want when you want because he wants you to be happy. And when sin entered the world, so did this the sin nature, this like, I am going to constantly wonder if God is holding out on me. I'm going to constantly try and do things my own way. I'm going to constantly try and be the ruler of my own life and worship other kings. I'm going to all, I'm always made to worship. That that's something that's not has changed. But that when that sin nature entered the world, we we look for stuff to worship and it's often the wrong things. I think we intuitively know what is best for us. So we kind of we have this kind of thing in us. Maybe call it a conscience, call it the Holy Spirit, you can call it what you want, but I think a lot of us know intuitively, you know, a lot of times you don't have to convince yourself to make the right decision, you know? But when it comes to making the wrong decision, you know, we can become attorneys. Like, oh, let me give you exhibit A and exhibit B of why I need to date this guy and why I need to go on this spring break trip or whatever it is when we intuitively know, mm, there, there's that rub there, right? I'm, I'm not so sure this is what's best for me, but by golly, I'm going to argue it to the death a lot of times just with ourselves. And I think it's so it's so much easier to kind of succumb to these lesser kings, so to speak, these lesser things that rule us, these lesser things that we worship, because these kings are not merciful. They don't have our best interest at heart. You know, every god in our history books, look at the Mayan culture, look at the Egyptians, look at a lot of religions that are still practiced today. God, plural gods, every religion I've ever studied, these gods require a sacrifice. They require something from you. They require you, you know, even it's just to behave. A lot of times it's animal sacrifice. Many of the Muslim cultures have to have you pray for several hours every day. It's very, it's not merciful. It's, you know, show up and if you miss one, then you're going to hell. It's like, it's get in line, get in line, get in line. And then we have this Christian God who says, I don't want anything from you, but I want so much for you. You know, I think about it with my own kids you know, we, we have them do chores. We, of course, we want them to study for their test. And this is not to make sure that they get in line. This is because one day they're going to have roommates and they are going to be a better grown up and a better roommate if they learn to pick up their dishes and scrub the toilet. You know, they are going to be a better employer one day if they know how to do math. But let's just imagine I was, you know, a parent who was like, this idea of it's all about earning my love as a parent. And, you know, they get home and they're like, mom, I made an A on my report card and I scrubbed the whole bathroom from top to bottom. And I'm like, mm-hmm, let me look, let me look. Oh, I noticed she made a 95. Why is that not a 100? And, and let me check the bathroom. Okay, see this spot in the corner right here? Y you miss this spot. Like, <laughs> that would exhaust them pretty quickly and probably not make them want to return home to visit once they are 18. You know what I mean? That is not the type of relationship I want for my children because I don't want anything from them. I don't care how spick and span the bathroom is or how good their report card is. The only thing I want from them is their best interest at heart. I have a better example and it has to do with chickens. <laughs> Stay with me. 
Because this is the perfect example, and it's just, it's so crazy. We used to have backyard chickens. I love our feathered friends. And this was just, golly, it was the perfect example of everything I'm talking about right now. Okay, so chickens are not the smartest animal in, in the animal kingdom. Well, one night I was letting them free range, kind of did that in the evening, and I forgot to lock the coop up at night. You have to lock it up because they are apparently one of the most delicious things on the food chain, and they have a lot of predators. Well, thank God they didn't get eaten by anything that night, but they they naturally go in the coop at night to sleep because they know there's safety there. They at least have the intelligence that there is safety with the flock and in their covering of their coop, so they naturally go into the coop when the sun goes down. Well, when the sun comes up in the morning, they left the coop and they were walking around in the backyard doing their free range thing, eating some bugs. Well, we don't live on like a ton of acres or anything, so they're not really safe to do that all day long because of dogs and who knows what else could get to them. So that morning, it was early before the kids got to school and I noticed the chickens are outside running around. I'm like, oh no, I forgot to shut the coop up. I got to get them back in the coop for the day so they don't get eaten alive. You know, let me run out there. So I'm throwing some seed into the coop so they'll run back in there, get them all back in except for one stubborn chicken. And I spent probably 10 or 15 minutes to try to get this one stubborn bird. I'm like coaxing her in there. I'm trying to chase her in there. I'm throwing bird seed, doing all the things. She would not go back into the coop. And now again, there is safety for her in the flock. There is safety for her around all of her sisters. <laughs> They're all females. And... Also, her food and her water is in this coop. So if she doesn't go back in the coop, she's away from her food and water, and she is alone out there by herself, very susceptible to a dog or who knows what else coming to have her for chicken lunch. But I have to get my kids to school, and I have tried for 15 minutes to get this stubborn chicken to go back in the coop, can't get it to happen. And so I'm like, all right, well, chicken, you, this is what you wanted. You didn't want to listen to, you know, someone who knows what's best for you. I am trying to save you. I'm trying to protect you. You don't want anything to do with it. Good luck. I'll be back in about two hours. I got to take the kids to school and go to my class at the gym. Come back, for, come back, hoping I don't find a dead chicken somewhere in my backyard. And it was the funniest thing. <laughs> Because if chickens could talk, so I come out of my back porch and I'm walking down the hill and I see this lone chicken squawking up the hill. And I promise if chickens could talk, she's like, where were you? Couldn't you see? I'm out here left to my own devices. I have heard dogs barking in the background. I'm away from my food and water. I'm scared to death. Why would you leave me out here? I can't, what, have you forgotten about me? <laughs> And in this crazy chicken example, I am so reminded, isn't that us, right? It's like, God, psh, you don't, I, I know you think you know better, but please, I am a chicken. <laughs> I am a human, and I think that you're holding out on me. I don't need to be near the safety of my flock. I don't need food and water. I'll figure it out on myself. I am smart. I don't need you. And then we get ourselves into trouble, right? And then we're like, God, where were you? You left me. How could you forget me? And then we're blaming God for the situation that we have brought on ourselves, right? I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to laugh and cry at the same time. Now this chicken is very glad to willingly go back in the coop where she has safety and food and water. 
And I'm like, wow, that is me. How many times in my life have I been that chicken who says, no, God, I don't need you. Thank you, but no thanks. I know what's better for me. I think what we have to understand is God doesn't want anything from us. I didn't want anything from that chicken that day. I wanted something for her. I wanted to protect her. I wanted what was best for her. And ultimately, all of this boils down to we have to ask ourselves, does God want what is best for us or do we think he is holding out on us? Do we think he is a God of rules and regulations and he wants something from us or does he want something for us? Hey friends, quick reminder, head to katiebulmer.life and click on favorite things. I have one landing page with links to my favorite books. You'll find promo codes for sunglasses and for jewelry and for courses, all kinds of good stuff. I even have some of my business hacks, things that I've learned along the way to help me with entrepreneur life. All my favorite things, one landing page, go to katiebulmer.life and click on favorite things. All right, let's get back to this episode. So something else that we wrestle with when it comes to this question of what is true is we're really asking how far is too far or how close can I get to the edge without falling over? And the way I like to illustrate this, I've done this um, a few times on a social media post is we went to the Grand Canyon and obviously I hope that you have seen grand pictures of the Grand Canyon. It is obviously giant holes in the ground and they're it's so big there are some areas where there's a fence you know like the main lookout areas for the park but it's gigantic there are hundreds if not thousands of miles of of rock that lead to a giant pit underneath (laughs) and it's scary you know a lot of people die there trying to take selfies and do stupid stuff like that but um but it's beautiful and it's breathtaking so the way i illustrated this on my social media post is you know, we like to think, how close can I get to the edge without falling over? So the one I did, because I'm crazy, um, I did a yoga pose on the edge. Now, don't worry. It looked like I was doing it off the edge of the Grand Canyon, but it was just like the magic of camera angles. Really, I was very in a safe distance. So I'm doing this arm balance on what looks like the edge of the Grand Canyon, because that's a smart thing to do. And the caption says something to the effect of, you know, we asked this question, how close can I get without falling over or how far is too far? But, but that's, is asking the wrong question. That's essentially saying, you know, I don't want to fall off this edge of the Grand Canyon into my death. So therefore I don't want to do a yoga pose off the edge and risk myself, or I don't want to dangle my toes over and lean and, and just hope that I'm okay. You know, I don't want to play with matches if I don't want to get burned. So what perhaps this looks like is in the dating relationship is I don't want to end up in this guy's bedroom, which means you also don't want to drink too much tequila, go home, go upstairs, lock the door and have romantic music playing and him wearing your favorite cologne. You know what I mean? Like we don't get so close. It's it's, uh, taking steps back. It's taking steps back into the safety zone. And this how far is too far question. But really, it's a, it's a flawed question. Because essentially, we're saying, how close can I get to trouble without getting hurt? You know, how, how much can I push the limits? How can I teeter on this line of the Grand Canyon and, and don't die, but live on the complete edge? Like, 
why? <laughs> why do we even want to do this? One of the most quoted scriptures is John 10, 10, and it says, I came to give you life and give it more abundantly. God says, I came to give you life and give you abundant life. And the enemy comes to still kill and destroy. And I think that that is really at the root of this question. How far is too far? And that sin nature in us, that you know, that desire in us to like, oh, like how, how close can I get to the edge that, you know, sexy uh, autonomous idea that the celebrities with all the money sing about, like that in us wants to get to that edge. And that also, that doesn't bring us life. That doesn't bring us what is best for us. Now, listen, I'm all in favor of adventure and living on the edge, so to speak, in healthy ways. Like we, our family just went to this family camp where you climb to the top of this, um, basically as high as a telephone pole. You stand up on this teeny tiny platform, fearing for your life. Don't worry, you're all harnessed in. And then you jump from that to a trapeze bar. Like <laughs> never, they call it the pamper pole because you want to like crap your pants. It's, it's crazy. So, I mean, adventure is good. Like I'm all in favor of, you know, chasing big dreams and doing big stuff like that. But when it comes to how far is too far um, in the bedroom or how far is too far with your finances and maxing out your credit cards, how far is too far with drugs and alcohol and unhealthy habits, why? Why do you want to know? And listen, I'm talking to myself too. I've been that way. And you know, how far is too far when it comes to eating unhealthy things or not having ha healthy habits when it comes to your sleep patterns? You can test it. Sure. You know, test it all day long. Eat, stay up all night long, eat donuts, smoke all the cigarettes you want, but there are natural consequences to those actions. God says, I came to give you life and give it more abundantly. I came to give you health. I came to give you vibrance. Um, you know, another thing is if the whole world is looking at Christians and we are just as addicted and depressed and um, unhealthy and unhappy as the rest of the world, like that, why? That that's not fun. Like then what hope is there? And, and speaking of everyone else, I'd love to talk about this because we all say, we'll quote, everyone is doing this or everyone is doing that. Like, but, but do you really want to be like everyone else? Because everyone is living this. Let me see how far I can get to trouble without falling over. Quote, everyone is living in this. I'm going to do what I want with who I want with anyone I want as long as no one gets hurt. But do you really want to be like everyone else? You know, Brene Brown, I don't know if you've heard of her. She's incredible. She has one of the most um, popular TED Talks of all time. But she says that Americans, generally speaking, are the most addicted, depressed, and um, unhealthy and unhappy of any cohort that has been in our history. Do, do we really want to be like everyone else? And then the last question behind the question of what is true is, well, I'm a good person. And the problem with that is, how good is good enough? And who am I to define what is good? Or who are you to define what is good? There was this really popular study where they interviewed a bunch of people and they were like, who is good enough to go to heaven? And you know, they'd say people like Mother Teresa or their grandma or their pastor. And the number one answer people would say is themselves. I, I'm, I'm good enough. But that was defined by them. Would their neighbor say they were good enough? Would their ex-boyfriend 
say they were good enough. You know, th- this is this is there has to be an ultimate authority of what is good and what is right and what is wrong. And the good news for Christians and this is applicable no matter what you believe because I'm talking about what's good and what's bad. And there has to be an ultimate authority in that. And the good news, like I said, for Christians is we have a good father. We have a good message. And we have and he has our best interest at heart. He is not like these other deities that are saying, get in line, behave, don't mess up, or you know, you're in trouble. This is a God who knows that we couldn't pay the price, so he paid it for us. Like that is insane. No, no other God in any of the history books has ever come down to serve his people like that. I mean, what other God washed stinky feet of guys who wore sandals and probably had blisters and calluses and dirt all over them? You know, like that is the incredible servant leadership that he modeled for us. And loved to the point of, I realize you guys can never pay this huge price of sin, but I'm going to pray it for you. So maybe you're listening and you're like, all right, Katie, you know, you made some interesting points, but what is best for me and what I want to do, do not always line up. And I get that. And here is where I think the, the rubber meets the road, so to speak. If you have a younger sibling or perhaps a niece or a nephew, I am willing to bet the advice that you hope that they learn, that as they grow up and they head into the real world, I'm willing to bet you don't want them to say, hey, honey, as you grow up, just, just remember, do what you want with who you want as long as no one gets hurt. And as you grow up, remember, you can go to the edge of this how far is too far, but just, just don't go over. You can, you can dance right on the edge. That's fine. But just don't go too far. And too far is a relative term. And you can define it depending on what feels good in the moment. Like, it's so wishy-washy. And th- that's not helpful advice. And the last thing, I'm pretty confident that I know that you want the people coming after you to learn, the people that you care about, the people that you truly want to have a healthy future. Is good is a relative term. You know, who, who is good enough? I don't know anyone who is good enough. We all fall short, but we serve a good God who wants what is best for us. He came to give us life and give it more abundantly, abundantly. You know, I don't know if you know much about my story, but what changed my life is when I was in college, I was completely convinced that boys, booze, Bacardi, and attempts to be beautiful were what would complete me, what would make me happy. And I searched to the very bottom of every barrel of all of those potential options and just found out myself more empty and more empty than before. I looked in the arms of doing what I want when I want with who I want. I looked in the arms of how far is too far and defining that I was a good person based on my own definition of good. And what I wish I would have learned is what I want to share with you guys right now. And I challenge everyone to, for the next seven days, to write this down every day. Put it on your mirror as a reminder, but also just writing it down to serve as that that visual and kinetic reminder as you're writing it down. These words, it says, turn my eyes away from worthless things and give me 
life in your ways. This is Psalm 119, 37. I'll say it again. It says, turn my eyes away from worthless things and give me life in your ways. Now, maybe you're like, oh, Katie, you know, that's cute or whatever. But what if Eve would have prayed that before she took the apple? What if the fathers who cheated prayed this before they walked out on their family? What if the college student walking out with decades of debt to pay, to pay off prayed this before they ever signed up for that credit card? Getting back to if you had a younger sibling or someone that you love and you want what is best for them as they grow up, don't you want them to pray this prayer? God, turn my eyes away from worthless things and give me a new life in your ways. Don't you want them to walk into a healthy boundaries instead of teetering on this line of how far is too far? But God, turn my eyes away from worthless things. That is what you want for those that are younger than you that you love. That is what I want from you as someone who pours my heart out to my younger friends as a mentor. And more importantly, that is what your Heavenly Father, who has your best interest at heart, wants for you. To turn your eyes away from worthless things and to give you new life in your ways. Hey guys, if this episode was helpful, I would love it if you take a screenshot and share it on your social media. If you tag me at Katie Bulmer Life, I would gladly reshare it and give you the Instagram love. You can also tag our Instagram profile for the podcast. It's at Truth For Your 20s Podcast. But thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for leaving your iTunes reviews. That is like gold to podcasts. So if you can head to iTunes and leave your reviews, I would also be glad to share that as well. Thank you so much for being here. And I hope that especially today, you got some truth for your 20s.